There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 80s in Sydney, which is generally regarded as the wild west of law enforcement. A terrifying time to be a cop or a criminal or just to be in Sydney full stop. And I one day stumbled upon his case files and they absolutely ruined me. So years later, I approached dad and we went through his old case files together and it became a book, Loose Units. It's in stores right now, actually. And now we're doing a podcast about it. Loose Units, the podcast, is a weekly true crime podcast where I sit across from my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s, and we dive deep into the seedy underbelly of Sydney's policing. So we're doing this podcast down here in Collingwood every week at Castaway Studios together, and we hope you enjoy it. I've been thinking long and hard, as I do, because I am a long and hard thinker. Gross. And um, I thought... I would talk to you yeah. about sometimes I've, I, I discussed with you about talking about, you know, just a shift in general duties. Yeah, sure. Like people go, you know, what, what's it all about, Alfie? That's a song. Um, Great. That was a movie. Everything's falling anyway, apart. Come on. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, dear Paul, that you never ever knew what was going to happen. Right. So historically speaking, I guess the day shifts were shit. Mm. Seven a.m. till three, you know, you'd have your odd um, hold up. Uh, generally, no fatalities, no noise complaints. Do you think North Sydney was where you were stationed was uh, pretty par for the course in terms of activity, or did it see more action than most stations? It was a really busy station, but. Right. There were there were times within a twenty four hour cycle where things would actually just kick off, kick off. Yeah, okay. And sometimes, believe it or not, you could feel the excitement in the air, mm. like electricity, or a full moon, where you knew it was going to be on. It's like the smell of rain or something. Yeah, the smell of rain, mm. cut grass, the the air. The, the it's hard to describe, but invariably, if you had this feeling of something was, was going to happen. Um, look, I, I I think this particular episode will be a combination. Okay. Uh, if that's okay. Just yeah, that's various fine. Various things that just, come to mind. Just a grab bag yeah. of stuff. Because, I mean, okay, typically speaking, we tend to stick to one case or one theme. Last week it was prison. But this week you just want to kind of flip around a bit. Yeah, actually, I've got a... Really succumb? Yeah. You, you you recall in the book we discussed that the big car chase. Oh yeah, one night. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll never forget another car chase, mm. and I was involved in 
so many car chases. Right. And the thing about general duties was that you had a shitty car. Uh, it wasn't a pursuit car, but you'd still be doing 160. But after a few minutes, you had no brakes, which is always fairly depressing being the driver. What do you mean you had no brakes? They, they just failed. What do you mean they just failed? They didn't work. But you said to they me... They overheated. Right. But you said to me that it was the job of... Okay, so you start a shift and as the junior man, you had to basically like revolve around the car yep. and double check every single nut and bolt Correct. before the shift. Yep. Um, what happens when you hand in a car that's been wrecked? No, no, chase? no, no. They overheat, but they come good. But for them to come good, you have to stop chasing. Right. And then after a few minutes when they've... Or maybe 10 or 15 minutes once they've stopped... Not once they've they've cooled down. Mm. That's the thing about brakes. That's why on big racing cars they're ventilated. They, you know, they they use ceramic discs and amazing things. But in in the good old days where you were lucky to have disc brakes on the front and drum brakes, if anyone knows what a drum brake is, it was, just, a, it was a Flintstone situation just where shit. you just pop your feet out the bottom and skid well, your heels. You down. know, like I said, after around about less than five minutes in a, in a full on chase, mm. where you've got heavy braking. Yeah, I mean, you know, you do come to corners and you have to brake. And, and this continual accelerate, brake, accelerate, brake ultimately would lead to a total failure of your brake system. So, okay, listeners, this is an important admission. Readers will know this already, but I don't drive. So sometimes we'll talk about stuff and it seems fairly normal. I'm not actually baby-stepping you through it for your benefit. Sometimes I just don't know. So I didn't know that about brakes. Mm. I thought they got worn down. I didn't think No, I'd... no, no. That takes years to wear them down. But okay. they, if you were to drive a, a car, bearing in mind it's probably a little bit different now because there's, you know, the technology's improved. But it, back in the 80s, if you hopped in any car that wasn't a, a purpose-built you know, like pursuit car, sure. And you would race it really, really hard, and then apply the brakes continuously over a period of minutes. The brakes heat, and eventually, they actually don't work, and you're still chasing. <laughs> so then you'd be using the the gear stick. Oh, they're all down. auto to shift down, and you and to kind of, or even even if it if it if you had to, you'd use the handbrake to slow you down. Wait, were pursuit vehicles auto? Um, every single car that I've that. In the police force was automatic. Really? I would have assumed they were manual. Something about the, you know, like the very... It just seems very macho to have a manual car and have the, you know... I don't think there's such thing as a manual police car. Really? Well, I mean, that's just another thing you have to do. Right, You know, you don't want to be... You want to have at least two hands on the wheel. Yeah, fair point. So, having said that, what am I saying? I mean, wow, racing cars are all manual. Yeah. So, there goes that argument. Completely. Thank you for uh, taking the time to undermine yourself. That's all right. So swiftly. But um, okay. Go so uh, how's this for a great story? I, I, I used to go on in the book about how you'd start the shift. Now it was mainly the afternoon and the night shifts where you were supposed to read because we had telexes. Mm. If anyone knows what they are, and they'd be spitting out this information, and you'd type in the words H O T hot yep. into the computer, and it'd bring out the hot list, which was the last. 20 or 50 cars stolen in New South Wales yes. within the last three minutes. Yep. And you'd get this list. And sometimes there'd be an asterisk next to the register number. Mm-hmm. And that would mean... Bonus points. ...that that car had been involved in something, perhaps a rape, a murder, an armed hold-up, okay. numerous housebreakings, arson, whatever. So we had this particular police officer, and he was an ex-school teacher. Mm-hmm. He was one of the most amazing police officers... 
if I could think of maybe three or four police in my entire career that yeah. I actually admired, this guy was one of them. Do you want this to guy name drop? His name was from memory, Mark Steen. I think that was his name. Okay. And he's a good style of a bloke. Now, how's this? Imagine a young constable coming out of the academy and we were we were given a gun and handcuffs and a couple of little things, but this guy he used to front up every shift yep. with a full body bulletproof vest. Full body. Full body. I mean, you know, from the waist up. Not like like the a, a full bulletproof vest. Not like one of those uh, those those onesies. Not like a bomb disposal the, guy. Not like a onesie with a bum flap, but it's made of Kevlar. No, but he he wore a bulletproof vest. He also had speed loaders. Which he so he carried extra ammunition when we were only issued. You're laughing. This looks like a goddamn cowboy. He was fucking brilliant. That's great. And looks like Simon he was a senior constable. Okay, and he he was a man of few words, the mm. opposite of me. And anyone that got to work with him, you remember how he worked with a few duds that yeah. were my buddies, yeah. two to be precise. Well, a couple of the police that came out of the academy got to work with this particular guy, and mm. I used to just. I was quite frankly fucking depressed. Right. I'd I'd be, you know, rolling out with a guy that could have been a part-time clown in a circus. Yeah. Uh, and some of my colleagues were going out with a guy that made that put Clint Eastwood to shame. We're talking, unbelievable. And this guy, might I add, in his annual leave, mm. are you ready for this? Yep. He'd go to Los Angeles and be a p- patrol police officer over there in his holidays. Oh, he loved it. He. F- can love oh, the he's job. Judge Dredd. That's he the, was yeah. mind blowing, oh. and I'll never ever forget this one night. Here's a classic. Yeah. He used to laboriously go through the list of hot cars and memos, and I'll never forget this. It was a hot summer's night. It's eleven o'clock, and we're at North Sydney, the station. Everyone's about ready to get going. Now, this story is going to blow you away. Great. He read this memo Wait, from a. Are you saying memo? Memo is like Finding Memo. It's it, memo. Uh, Memorandum. They were called memos in my day. Fuck's sake. Memo. It's common usage prevails, prevails, I hate to tell you. Anyway. In the Polisse Force. So, here's the story. A guy held up a series of brothels in Brisbane that day. Right. He had a three fifty seven Magnum. Mm-hmm. Wait, the guy, sorry, the guy doing the hold-ups? Yep. Okay. Loaded. Yep. And you know the three five seven mm-hmm. is between the forty four Magnum and the thirty eight special that you, you and I have fired. Yes. So imagine, you know, that was a decent sized pistol. Yeah. You go up one. So Dirty Harry he used a forty four, but he also used a three five seven. That's a big gun. Yeah. So this guy has got the proceeds from armed robbies on brothels. Yeah. He's armed and he's in a car and the only thing it says Believed heading south. That's the extent with all the details of the car. Sure. So the assumption was, because this guy, Mark, he read all his, and he got his, whenever his partner was working, you knew if you worked with him, I don't think I ever worked with him, you knew you had to absolutely be on the ball. Okay. You had to be ready to roll and you had to have had all the, everything had to be spot on. Yeah. So this one fateful night, this uh, young police officer, He was working with uh, Mark and they read this memo and uh, Mark had determined through whatever power of reasoning that there was a good chance Mm. that if you drive from Brisbane 
to Sydney and they had a feeling that his destination was Sydney, there's a good chance that you'll drive into Sydney and guess which way you'll go? Straight past North Sydney Police Station. Mm. And as God is my witness, they took off in their car, Mark and the driver. They drove for a couple of hundred metres up. And now, remember we had like an old-fashioned speaker in the station. Right. And whatever room you were in, upstairs, downstairs, you'd always be listening to VKG. And a memo comes over the... We can hear um, these two coppers that have just left the station. Yeah. They're heading up north up the highway. So you're listening... B- We're listening to them and they come on the air and they say, you know, VKG 6, six maybe 6162, six uh, we've just uh, located that car and he's driving in a southerly direction. Oh, fuck. Ready for this? Yeah. So th- that th- my point is that they've read the memo. Yeah. This guy's driven a thousand kilometres. Yeah happens to drive past them as they leave the station at 11 o'clock at night to start the night shift. Sure. They do a U-turn. This guy is completely oblivious. Mm. He's driven a 1,000K with no drama. He had to stop at the traffic lights just down from the police station. We've all walked out onto the front of the station. (laughs) I'm not kidding. All of us. The entire shift. We've watched the police car come up behind... Mark, this, the guy with the bulletproof vest, he gets out of his car. He just walks up to this guy and holds a gun in the window. They arrested him on the spot in the middle of the traffic and walked him across to the station where he was charged. Get out. That's a fucking true story. So as far as paperwork is concerned, this is technically a Brisbane crime. So are you sending up all kinds of dispatches north or are you, is it your collar? Like who, who gets the credit for he it? He has to go back to... Uh, he has to be extradited right. back to Queensland. But... That's an incredible story. That's pretty great. And I've never told you the story about the night that... Oh, God, this was amazing. There was a lot of... There was this car that was involved in numerous uh, crimes. Mm. It's a little bit like that first story you told in the beginning of the, the, the your first book yes. with the panel van. Yep. But this was a sedan and it had three or four guys in it and... Similar story, we were cruising up, we'd left the station, heading up north, and there was this car that had been wanted for numerous crimes for the preceding shift, and this was night shift, and maybe it was around about midnight, so we'd been on shift for about an hour, and we're we're just cruising up the highway, and the car just drives past us. So what we did, we acted really, really cool and as though we didn't see them. So they've seen us. Yeah. We pretended that we didn't see them. And they sort of turned a corner, as you do, near the police station. And when we were out of sight, we then did a U-turn over the median strip, yeah. came back down past the police station, and they accelerated, and they were involved in a huge... Um, Prang, you know, big, big accident mm. at that big uh, Victoria Cross, which is where like five or six big roads all sort of come in together. And they, three of the guys jumped out of the car while it was still moving, uh, but the driver stayed in the car. And this is a little story about, um, so really, really exciting and amazing things can happen when you least expect it, yeah. but also how the adrenaline that was coursing through my veins made me, uh, react in a certain way that I shall now reveal. Sure. So by the time we chased this car and the driver, um, he seemed to be, well, he was just still in the car. So I pulled up behind and there were police running, chasing 
the other offenders and there was a lot of glass and it was a pretty sort of a pretty bad prang and I've run up and I'm pumping and I've reefed the driver's door open. Yep. And I've grabbed this guy and I've pulled him out onto the road and I've sort of driven him down onto the bitumen and there was glass from arsehole to breakfast. And I thought, shit, this is this is a bit weird. Um, I sort of realised that he was actually unconscious. And then I looked into the car and I could see that he'd gone through the windscreen and come back. And I didn't know. Oh, shit. And he was actually, I'd actually dragged an unconscious person who'd gone through a windscreen and come back. So his whole face was like a pizza supreme. Oh it was God. just embedded with glass. Oh. Not only that, but I didn't know. So not only that is that when I've dragged him out thinking that, you know, he was going to resist arrest. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, I'm sort of pumped because right. I've been driving in a sort of very short pursuit as well. Sure. And, um, and then I kind of realized that... Um, That's horrifying. Yeah. So what happened after that? Well, he was, he was fucked. Did you just kind of put him back in the seat weekend at Bernie's style, pat him on the head and pretend it never happened? <laughs> So by the time the um, the Ambos rocked up, yeah, you know, he's it was it, he was like nightmare. that when you found him. Yeah, he was he was unconscious. Jesus, Dad. So pretty full on. Yeah, that and must... that's the start of the shift. Oh God, I've still got eight or seven or eight hours to go. How do you come down from that? Because I, I mean, I've had what I would regard as eventful shifts, but no, like nothing compares to what emergency services people go through. How do you make that like leap from? Uh, a car crash to paperwork. Like, how do you do that? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I, God, I don't know. 
you just you know you just deal with it. Mm. But I never ever had problems after night shift falling asleep. Oh, I can imagine. You know, quite often I'd fall asleep at at the lights multiple times on the way home. You were oh. just so tired. And then the worst scenario was that you were just about to knock off in the morning and they'd say you're required in court. And court didn't start till 10 a.m. Hang on. It's like, they, really? Yeah. They you could just go, keep... You have no, no, no control over that. Oh, sure. So you're completely off your face. Yeah. Uh, I didn't drink coffee back then. I didn't drink my first coffee properly until I was 29. Right. So I had no stimulants to sort of keep me keep me going. You drink a lot of coffee now. I do. I love coffee. You're a coffee boy. Yes. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to hop around a bit this episode. Yeah. I love all that stuff. I, I, I really love how nuts it was. Um, you flung a couple more prompts at me uh, for stories and I really wanted to yeah, kind of honour your... I've got a good yarn. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's about the um, a, a particular detective who was notorious in North Sydney uh-huh. that shall forever remain nameless. Great. Because his tentacles are far-reaching. And he thought it was really funny to call a whole lot of General Duties Police one evening to a private house in Kirribilli and for those listeners that don't know Kirribilli, this was a waterfront home in Kirribilli. Sure. Uh, you know, and there are some, there's some serious real estate in, these, in this magnificent waterfront suburb, uh, basically looking over to the Sydney Opera House and the Harbour Ridge. Yes, beautiful area. Near Kirribilli House, where the Prime Minister stays, etc. Mm. And this particular detective, uh, he was a detective sergeant who was, you know, he was, he was, he was top dog. And... He he definitely looked down his nose at us poor, sad, you know, deficient uh, general duties police. Yeah, which is easy, as we mentioned in the previous episode. They are literally situated higher than the rest yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he and this particular uh, detective sergeant was a hmm, trying to think of a nice word, but anyway. Um, and so he's at this uh, this dinner party. Yeah. So this is something out of a. Again, one of those surreal nights, and I don't know whether I was the only. General Judy's police officer that actually thought, what is wrong with this picture? But there was this dinner party, and the dinner party was in this magnificent Victorian high society dining room in a private mansion, Mm. and these people were dressed to the nines, very sophisticated. At this long table, there would have been probably 18 guests. Uh, It it was mind-blowing. It was something out of a... a, It could have been a movie set. Mm. And this particular detective sergeant and his and his crony, his sidekick, they wanted our assistance to help them do a drug search in this house yeah. while people, the occupants, the owners, were having a dinner party. So we've all sort of barged in. Now, if you can imagine, these people were completely ignoring the police. They're conducting themselves at a very refined party, sophisticated drinks, great food, as though we weren't there. Sure. But we were there. Well, yeah, as, you, as you've told me. Um, well, there, there were heaps of general <laughs> duties police. And then I realized after a while, and this is weird, because I was actually thinking, wow, this is actually fair income, not just a fucking game. I decided to pace out one of the rooms and I went into another room. And I realised, because this was supposed to be a very big drug situation, Mm. and I actually believed that the dimensions of the room that these people were in did not coincide with 
the dimensions of the other rooms. And I'd actually kind of figured out that I thought there was actually at least a hidden room <laughs> or an extra thick wall. Yeah. And I had the temerity and the audacity to approach said detective sergeant. Mm. And I'm like this 22-year-old junior fuckwit, as far as he was concerned, like a pest. I mean, you're the hero of this story. Yeah, so but, you know, he's, yes, he's going, who the fuck, who invited you? Yeah. You know, and then I realized, and then he was, I saw him sort of, you know, mixing and being very friendly with the, the owners of this house. And then mm. I began to realize that the whole thing was a fucking joke. It was right. a game. Right. It was a facade. It was bullshit. It was, and I know... Yeah, anyway, look. Hang on. This story almost had a hidden bookshelf that swung up into a villa room yeah. full of And I actually drugs. brought it up to the certain detective sergeant and, and told him what my observations, and he basically said to me, fuck off, mind your own business, right. get out of here, you guys. And all of a sudden, we were all told to leave, and I'm thinking, what was the purpose of this incredible facade now yeah. now to this day i don't know what it was all about but it was fucking weird but i did see as i was leaving that this particular detective sergeant was basically smooching up to the owners and they're all having a big laugh at our expense what a fucking nightmare okay. and a joke and that's just and and again i wasn't the only policeman there so i, I asked myself did anyone actually did, did the other police that went along to these sort of things, did any of them actually, did it register with them what the fuck was going on? It's like ticking a box of like, we've got to come up and we've got to try and do it. Don't worry, we're not going to look, actually look. We're just going to walk around and do, you know, it's like a formality, right? Yeah, a formality. Yeah, okay. okay. So as soon as someone gets wind of, hang on a sec, this actually might be, then you're told, well, you you're not leave. supposed to say anything and please... Yeah. Anyway, that that was a particularly bizarre experience. Yeah, that sounds strange. Honestly, I'm just I'm I'm convinced that every old house has a secret room. So you know, uh, now I think it's about time for a question, actually, from uh, one of our listeners. Uh, so let me dive into the mailbag. I'm actually not opposed to doing more than one question, but let me just find a good one. Here we go. Okay, this is a good one. This is from Peter Murphy. During the 1980s, there was a lot of crime and a lot of corruption. Which did you find the greater threat, the criminal element or dirty cops? That's a no-brainer. Is it? Yeah. What's the answer? Dirty cops. Oh, that's not the answer I was expecting. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I often say, as a, as a throwaway phrase, Paul, I, and I've, I've said it a million times in my life that I live now, Yeah. because I'm asked that question quite often, and the people that I most feared were my colleagues. Not all of them, of course. Of course. But, oh yeah, it, it was fucking scary. I, I have been pulled aside in the police force when I was in the job mm. and spoken to by certain detectives and told that uh, basically, you know, you didn't see that. That's never to be discussed. If you do talk about it, we'll fuck you. So yeah, we had a um, we had an unmarked number for years and years and years after, like our landline was you couldn't look it up in the phone book. Yeah, was that because right. of the police stuff? Have I ever told you the story about the scuba tank? No. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, how about we do that next podcast? How long is it? It's well, how long is it? It's an incredible story. I reckon we might. Hang on, let me check. Because I, th I mean, I, I mean, this is kind of a look at how the sausage is made. But I'm seriously thinking you tell the story now. You sure? Yeah, do it. Okay. So as the 
listeners hopefully know, I was always into high adrenaline sports, scuba diving, skydiving, free diving, motorbike riding, yeah. at ridiculous speeds, sometimes mm-hmm. at night time with, with the lights off. And dad still thinks he doesn't have ADD. And, um, you know, all that high adrenaline stuff. But I did a lot of scuba diving and I used to own this scuba diving tank. Now, I, I may not have even told you this story, Paul. I don't, now, I, it if doesn't you mean, haven't heard this story, it's it a cracker. But listen, it's kind of police related, but it's also underworld, international heroin related. Jesus it's a heavy story. Christ. Okay? You, you know, none of this is ringing any bells. Good, cool. Okay, I'll try and be as concise as I can. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to be concise. Okay, cool. We've got time. All right, now this story is, um, and your mother yeah. can corroborate every single detail because the story I'm about to tell you is fucking surreal. Listeners, I'm actually nervous about this one, so strap in. What year is this? What year is this set? I'd left the police force. Mm. I was in the fire brigade Yes, at the time and I had this amazing super early scuba tank made by a company that used to be in Manly in the 60s. A really, really good company. And it was called... Because tanks today are either spun aluminium or they use fibres and they're pretty light and amazing. But in the early days, the scuba tanks were made of steel and they mm. called them steelies. Now, inside a, sk- a steel scuba diving tank is a chamber, obviously, and mm. it's fairly small. And within that chamber is the compressed air. So you have to get your tanks tested every 12 months. You'd take them down to the local dive shop and they would take them off to a factory. They'd be pressure tested and stamped and date stamped with these big bloody metal stamps that would sort of impregnate the impression into and around the top of the tank. So I decided I'd sort of, you know, you kids were, how old would you have been in the late 80s? So you were, you were maybe, you wouldn't have been 10. No, only a little baby, little kid, little kid. And um, your mother and me and you and Anne, your lovely sister, Mm. we were actually caretakers at a private girls' school I on the Northern it. Beaches. Yes, was yep. this uh, the... Uh, it's called St. Luke's. St. Luke's, an Anglican school. Anglican girls' school. Up and Christine and I, we had this amazing house on the top of the hill and it was pretty amazing. And I used to sort of do a bit of sort of general security type, you know, at night time. They were caretakers. There was actually Living one... Yeah. In this incredible home. There was one point where mum and I were doing the rounds because it's a massive multi-tiered school, private school. And um, it's about, it's just gotten dark. Mum's got a little, uh, little pen light and uh, checking the doors. And I think maybe Anne was with me. And mum, like, motioned to shush us. And then she got this key out that I'd never seen before, opened the tuck shop, let us into the tuck shop, and then let us have some oak strawberry milk and some chicken nuggets. And oh, basically- lovely. And now it, I don't know that story. So mum was- is actually, and you're an accessory to uh, um, a misdemeanor. Yeah. Love it. Right. So, um, <clears throat> okay. I put, we used to have this book, uh, not a book, uh, like a magazine paper in, a, in Sydney called The Trading Post. I remember um, it very well, Okay, yes. And it was a newspaper. And I put an ad in The Trading Post selling all my, my scuba gear. So it was an out-of-date steel ancient tank yep. and, and some fins and some pretty shitty stuff. And I, it was in a big plastic container. Mm. Now, I asked a really, really crazy price. And lo and behold, we get an inquiry on a weekend. And this guy, he was 39 years old at the time. And he looked like he was just, he was, wow, what can I say? He looked like an assassin. Oh, cool. Yeah, amazing. But good style of like really tall, mm. came in on a, uh, a motorbike mm. and he just looked at the gear and I was asking us an insanely high price and he just said, done. He said, how does cash sound? And I said, well, that's really, really good. He said, okay, look, I've got a motorbike. He said, I need the gear soon. He said, maybe you and your wife. He said, I live in the city. Yep. He said, how about you and your wife uh, 
bring it over. I'll pay your cash and uh, and yeah, uh, he said it's where I live, which was down near Chinatown. He said it's opposite an amazing yum cha mm. called the, the Marigold. Oh, I love the Marigold. Yeah, which we used to take you kids to from when you were born. Yes. So we said, look, we know the Marigold. He said, I'm living opposite and you just drive in and you can you can come into the loading area. He said, I'll give you a parking spot. You can go to lunch and then come back and fantastic. So Christine and I, and I was asking from memory a shitload of money for this gear. Do you remember how much? It could have been maybe $800. Now, the tank was pretty well worthless because it was out of test. And if a, te- if a tank's out of test, it's a whole, it's almost not worth retesting it. You've just, got to yeah, okay. just get rid of it. Yeah. So... And I was quite surprised, but it was pretty exciting. He didn't even... He just sort of looked down at the gear, but he didn't study it. And I didn't think a lot of it at that time. We were just happy to know that we could go in and get an amount of money that today would be the equivalent to maybe three grand, which is a lot of money for us. A couple of months rent, something like oh, that. Yeah. A couple of months rent. Yeah. So we drive into town. Everything went according to plan. Great. We drive into this underground car park. Now, I'm not sure whether in telling the story I... I'm not sure how much detail to give you in what order, but I'll just say this. When we drove into this car park, there was a removalist truck parked very close to us with these guys just kind of standing around the removalist truck. Uh Now, I kind of looked over and thought, it's a bit unusual because they actually weren't doing anything. Mm. But I thought, "Mm, that's cool. He comes over. He just hands over. He counts out this money, which was a shitload. He then, we, we popped the back of uh, our Falcon, which funnily enough is the same Falcon that the car wash went through and when you kids were in the back. Yes. So this gives you some idea of the age, Great. the timeline. Yep. And we, he said, look, go over to the Marigold. He said, when you come back, just buzz my apartment and I'll let you out. Now, so he's grabbed this big plastic box with all the diving gear on it. Mm. He, he pays us and he vanishes. Now, that's the last time I ever saw this guy. Okay. We go across to the Marigold, Christine and myself, have yep. an amazing yum cha. Wait, we, sorry, sorry, he's paid you at this point? Yeah, he paid us cash. Oh, great. Folding. $50 bills. Amazing. And we went over and had a really nice dinner. Thought we'd go down to Chinatown because he said, look, take your time. You're in the area. We came back, buzzed his apartment. He said, no worries. And up goes the gate and we pissed off. Yeah. A year later, on a Saturday afternoon, yep. we get three Commonwealth or federal undercover narcotics agents knocking on our door. The smallest of them made Arnold Schwarzenegger look anorexic. Yep. They could hardly fit through the front door. Sure. They've come in, sat us down. I'm shitting my pants. Mm-hmm. Christine's upset. We had inadvertently become involved in one of the world's largest heroin smuggling operations ever Get the in the history of whatever. This guy, yeah. who was an international wanted man. Yes! World, like super, super, the mega league of heroin dealers in the world, uh, ex-commando. Yeah. Ex-killer yeah. had purchased the gear. Uh-huh. That tank was taken to an engineering shop where it was machined out, which I'll tell you is no mean feat. It was then 
sent overseas where it was rammed with 100% pure heroin. It was then sent on an international uh, anti-surveillance run that yep. lasted months. It then ended up on a super yacht yep. off northern Australia. It was dumped in the ocean. Scuba divers retrieved the tank. It was then flown by Cessna yep. and other aircraft down to Sydney. Yeah. And the guy's suitcase, uh, because these guys began to explain to us that when they found out that two ex-New South Wales police were involved and seen <sighs> by course. the guys in the removalist van who were undercover... Fuck off. But ready for this? Yeah. When we walked across to the Marigold, yeah. one, there were undercover police officers, Commonwealth police officers, in the restaurant watching his building, and one of those police officers was your mother's cousin working undercover for the feds. Are you serious? And she could never, ever tell Christine. That is a fact. How heavy is that? And our phone was bugged for (laughs) almost a year because they thought two ex-coppers are involved, obviously, because all coppers are shit, crooked. They'd seen the money change hands. They'd seen the tank. They'd followed the tank. It was a huge... the, The operation went for... Almost two years. Right. And it took them seven months to realise that Christine and I were not involved. Now, that's a fantastic story. Now, that guy ended up... We're talking one of the most famous heroin importation uh, cases in Australian history. And there was that tank that I'd... That's an amazing story. I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah. How did I never hear this? Was I in the restaurant? Well, you must have been. Yes, I'm part of the story. You must have been because you and Anne were just, you know, little kids. Oh, my God. How's oh that? My God. Isn't that amazing? That's great. Yeah. You know what? And I will just say this to you that's a little bit exciting. One of the whole aspects of this story that I found particularly exciting is that they used to open this guy's bag yeah. at all the airports around the world. Yeah. And what they used to do, so that, so that, and it's pretty basic what I'm about to say, but at the time I thought, wow, that's so exciting and thrilling they used to use a polaroid camera mm. but when they took the photo it the actual photo was divided up into a grid pattern maybe 12 squares yeah so they'd look at they'd put the photograph next to the contents of the suitcase uh. and they would photograph it then they'd remove that layer of clothing and then they'd photograph it again oh I and see. they'd put all the photos next to each other so they could then rebuild it perfectly. rebuild it Perfectly, because yep. these guys, this guy sent the scuba tank with heroin. He bounced it all over the world to make sure it wasn't being followed. How heavy is that? That's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Um, listeners, I've never heard that story. But I haven't heard most of these stories before, but that's crazy. There is something scary about the off-duty stuff, and that's as off-duty as you can get. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> for a really surprising episode of Loose Units this week. Um, We have one more episode left of this season. It's next week's episode. So if you're new to the show, go back and catch up. If you're not new to the show, get one left, and then we're going to take a short break of a few weeks before we come back for season two. But next week's going to be an absolute belter. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to run to bookstores or go online and grab a copy of Loose Units. Um, Whether you're doing a physical copy or an e-book or the audio book, then... That's that's all good. Just read the book. We're so proud of it. It's like this, but 
you know, more so. And uh, head across to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash loose units. Go and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Take care of yourself, and we will see you next week for the finale of season one of Loose Units, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.